Hey guys, welcome to day 11 of Sorority Stories, where I am going to tease you, cajole you, force you, whatever, beg you to, no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to beg you, to join the pageant sorority, early access, thepageantsorority.com, at least at the time of recording this, if you are watching this sort of more than two weeks after I've recorded it, then we'll be open to the public as normal, it won't be early access anymore, but, um, if you are tuning into this before then, then do head over there. In the last episode, I talked a fair bit about how I'm going to be focusing more and more on my effort on helping our sorority members versus just putting out stuff in public, uh, you know, with content creation and stuff like that. Um, because I know that my message, and this goes for anyone, I know that I don't appeal to everyone. But what's become with my beliefs and values and what I believe about pageantry, what it could be, what it should be, etc., um, but what became very clear to me over 2020 was that if you try to appease everyone, you're going to appeal to no one. So I've decided that I'm going to be a bit more forthright about some of my beliefs. And I know not everyone will agree. Maybe you don't agree. Um, but that's okay. Because if, if let's say, on a consistent basis, you just fundamentally disagree with everything I'm saying, then I don't want you to be following. I mean, you're more than welcome to, but why would you want to follow someone when you just disagree with them all the time. And I say that full well knowing that some people seem to do that. They seem to make a profession of just being offended all the time. But I would rather you unfollow me than keep looking at all my posts and just writing that you disagree under all of them. So I'm going to be, you know, it's that old adage of quality over quantity. And I'm not saying that people that disagree with me aren't quality. I'm just using that as a figure of speech as a metaphor. But that's a piece of advice for you is to really focus on your tribe. Don't focus so much on just general numbers. Like who cares if you have 10,000, 100,000, a million followers. If, and this is the bizarre thing to me, it's always been that, you know, a lot of female influencers, they'll market themselves as having, you know, let's say 100,000 followers. But because of the type of photos they put up, 80%, 85% of those followers are young males. So they're not really that good in terms of influences for any female-centric brands. I know you know what I mean. So that's um, that, that's to bring you up to date with a couple of things. Go join the sorority, as I said, thepageantsorority.com. Um, what I wanted to just bring you bring to your attention, there was a book that I read recently, and if you're hearing this sound on the podcast, I mean, you can obviously see on the video, I'm unwrapping this book. Now, I have read in quotes, this book, but in audio version. When I was working, um, dry, doing a lot of driving, I listened to this book in audio form, and it's called Mindset, and it's by a lady called Carol Dweck. She's actually a doctor, Dr. Carol Dweck. Mindset, changing the way you think to fulfill your potential, and it's actually got a testimony on Bill Gates on behind it, um, a testimony from Bill Gates on the back. What the main point of this book is, is and I decided I needed to well read this book again. I listened to it, but read this book after I saw a TikTok and after someone talked about this idea of having a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And for some reason, that just resonated with me at that point of time. And the main point of this book is the importance of having a growth mindset or the benefit of having a growth mindset versus having a fixed mindset. And it may not exactly be what you think of when she talks about fixed mindset. Now, when I was growing up, 
I did very well at school. Um, in fact, the four years of primary school, so when you're 9, 10, 11 and 12, I came first in every year except one year. And the one year I didn't come first was because I literally decided I couldn't be bothered. It was too easy. And that was the second to last year. And when I didn't come first, I sort of only came second. I got really annoyed and then worked hard and then came first again in, in, in the final year. But my point to that was I don't really ever see that as a huge achievement. My academic achievements when I finished year 12, when I was 18, for example, the school leavers exam here in Australia, I got a score of 99.55. Now, that's a percentage. That 99.55, so I'm the top 0.45% academically of everyone in Australia. I took a chemistry quiz, came first in Australia. I'm not telling you that to brag, although it certainly will, certainly will sound like it. I, what I, my point is, I didn't really value any of those achievements because I didn't have to work for them. For me, I was very lucky and very lucky that the academic system at the time suited my way, the way my brain is wired, my learning style, and it all came very easily to me. The academics anyway. Personally, I had a whole bunch of other issues, maybe because things were coming a bit too easily to me. But in terms of the academics, I lucked out. Um, when it came to the school leavers exam, it was kind of a joke in our year that the score, like what score are you going to get? Because normal people would say, oh, I'll get 50, or 60, 70. I mean, for 80, I'd be happy. In our conversation, it was, you're going to get 99, but 99 what? Are you going to get 99? Are you going to get 99.5? I think in our year group, three people got 100. Um, that doesn't mean they didn't make any mistakes. It means it was just, you know, the top, the very top, maybe 20, 30 people in the whole of Australia. And to give you an idea, I wasn't alone. I got 99.55, but that only got me 23rd in my school, like in my grade out of 180. Like 99.55 sounds a hell of a lot more impressive than, than 23rd out of 180, doesn't it? Um, but the fixed mindset that Dr. Dweck talks about is that mindset that's caused when we reward and only focus on success. And that was one of the things that happened to me in school was very much people were only interested in what grades you got. The growth mindset is much more, as you can probably tell, based on growth. But in more fundamental terms, it's based on hard work and progress and focusing on those two and rewarding those two rather than rewarding someone for just being intelligent or having success. And what brought this book back up, as I said, as you could see that I've unwrapped it. So, but what, um, I've had it for about a month. I said, I've listened to it. I haven't opened the package. Why I opened it just now was because I saw a video, uh, yesterday that my good friend Giselle Ace over in South Africa posted and it was a walking video. And it was 45 seconds long because it was three Instagram stories. And she had a tea stage set up. And at the end of the tea stage, where normally the audience would be, there was a mirror. There were full-length mirrors so she could see exactly what she was doing. And she was just walking and practicing and practicing. She was practicing her turns. The beginning of the video was really striking for me because she was walking backwards and spinning. And then she spun again. Um, and for most people, the turn, the spin is one of the hardest skills to pull off. And she was just doing it again and again. And I know she's a dancer, but it just looks so effortless and graceful. Yet she was practicing it again and again and again. And then she was walking. She was watching herself. She was slow mowing it. And that's it. See, when it came to academics, I was never that person. If you were going to, let's say, draw an analogy with walking on stage, 
if you were taking me as an academic and putting me on stage, if I had that same sort of gift, I would be that sort of person who just walks effortlessly and gracefully, has no real idea how they do it, but just seems to be born to do it. When it came to tennis, however, and I've talked about tennis many, many times, I was a complete opposite. I had little to no natural talent. I remember seeing a video of myself playing for the first time. I was horrified. It was not pretty. I wasn't swinging and missing at the ball, but not much better than that. Um, But I became fascinated with progress. And I I remember sitting down. I actually was going to do this. I forgot I was going to do this. I even became fascinated with the equipment, with tennis rackets. I would take um, tennis rackets, you have to re-grip the grip every now and then. And I didn't know how to do it. It's this sort of band of rubber that you need to go around the outside. But if you don't do it right, it kind of falls off or doesn't work right. And I didn't know how to do it. So one day after tennis coaching work, when I was just learning how to play tennis, I sat down probably for two or three hours and just continually, I took the same grip and I gripped it again and again. I would grip it, then I would take it off, then I'll put it on again, take it off. And I did it probably a hundred times. I don't know, a lot of times, just in that two or three hours, because I was fascinated by progress and I just wanted to improve. I learned how to string my own rackets. I learned what the difference was when you string it more tightly versus more loosely, the difference between the different types of strings, the difference between the different types of string patterns. I was obsessed. And my point is to this day, I, st- I don't think I'm as good at tennis as I was at academics. I would never say I'm the top 0.45% of tennis players, but I'm pretty good. And the fact is I'm much more obsessed with tennis than I've ever been with academics or ever was. And I know a lot more about tennis and tennis coaching than I ever will about maths or science or trigonometry or calculus or chemical equations. And the whole point of this book, Dr. Dweck points out example after example of people who we think are the greats who actually weren't identified as great early on. Um, people such as Michael Jordan. If you know know Michael Jordan's story, I think most people would agree he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest basketball of all time. He was famously dropped, I think it was either from his high school or his college team. And uh, that, in part, sort of fired him up to become the athlete that he later would become. Um, There's Muhammad Ali in here. Uh, There's some examples of tennis players as well, such as uh, John McEnroe. But the whole point of this book, and it really hit home for me, what is to focus on hard work and progress and to be proud of yourself when you show either or both of those two attributes. So rather than being proud, let's say, of you go to Miss USA um, or whatever pageant and you place first, rather than being proud of that, be proud of the work and the progress that you put in, you had to make in order to get there. Because there's going to come a point where you don't do as well as you'd like. And if your whole sense of identity and ego is based on how well you do, then that's kind of me in academics, right? What tends to happen is when you don't do as well as you like, your whole world falls apart. Because the whole time you've identified yourself as, let's say, a winner, and suddenly you're not. In your mind, you're a loser. And that really happened to me after I left primary school and went into high school, I moved to a school in the middle of city in the city. It was the same school, but it was much bigger. So there were all these new people came in in year seven when I was 13. And I remember distinctly going, oh my God, like I'm not the most intelligent person in the room now. 
I now have to work harder. And even if I do, I don't get the same results as I was getting before in years three, four, five, six, when I came first without trying, except that one year. Now I'm in year seven, eight, nine, and like I'm try, I have to try harder to not even get the same result, a worse result. And I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't built for that. I wasn't primed for that because I'd spent my whole time, my identity was just, it comes to me effortlessly. I'm just first without trying. And it got to the point, and it's so funny because she mentions it in this book, that you almost view, view yourself like if you have to work hard at something, it means you're stupid. And as ludicrous as that idea might sound or that belief might sound to you, that really resonated with me. So I would avoid things where I had to work hard. And let's face it, most things you have to work hard at unless you're just God gift, you know, you just got inane, insane amounts of talent. And that would cause me very often to, well, I was going to say it would cause me very often to back out of things. But on the other hand, you know, with tennis, for some reason, it didn't bother me at all. I just became obsessed with progress. But my point is, and this is like when you're working with coaches or working by yourself, make sure you don't, and I've talked about goal setting in this area as well, make sure you don't just reward or take note of places or achievements. Instead, if you really want those, focus on the hard work and progress you're putting in on a daily basis and be proud of those things. When someone asks you about your day, and this is a point, again, that was raised in this book, when a child comes home, you don't want to ask them how the test went and as a parent and then simply say, oh, you did, you did great because you came first or you did horribly because you came last. You want to talk about the effort that the child put in and have a conversation around that and reward the effort even if the result wasn't there or isn't there yet. And I say this to you because for the 90% of you who don't just effortlessly win pageants the first time you enter – it can be super frustrating, right? It is super frustrating. I can only imagine when you put in a lot of hard work and you don't even place. And sometimes, and this is the thing with pageants, you might look at someone who's placed and go, hang on, I worked so much harder than them and I got some results that are better than them, like in terms of charity or things like that. And yet they placed and I didn't. And if your identity is in that fixed mindset, where your only measure or your self-esteem is based on how well you did versus how much work or how much progress you've made, then it's going to be a very difficult journey that will probably in all likelihood be cut short. But if you can adopt the growth mindset and focus relentlessly on the progress you make each day, the practice you make each day, the, the rituals you have each day, which is why I love the, what, the video of Giselle practicing because you could just see even though she's amazing at walking, she's done a lot of modeling, it's not like she has no talent, but even though she had that talent, she was working in front of that mirror, there was no one else there, and she's just working, working, working. And, you know, they say working hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. The, the, the greats of the game, the greats of any game, if you're lucky enough, are those who are talented and work hard at the same time. But if you're like the 90% of us, 95% of us who, and this is me with tennis, who don't have that much talent in the thing they're passionate about, but they're just obsessed with it for some reason, 
and some reason that you can't really explain to any other normal person. Like, I can't really explain why I'm so passionate about tennis. I could talk to you until you're just bored blue in the face. You guys could probably talk about pageantry until you're bored, until you bored your friends blue in the face. Like, why are you so passionate about this? I don't understand it. And they don't get it, and that's okay. But you're probably super passionate about it. You probably were super awkward at the beginning, but you're obsessed with it. So you work on it, and you make progress. And that progress, by the way, may not necessarily be your placement. It probably, in all likelihood, will simply be the identity you have for yourself, and you can see your own progress in your self-confidence, in the way you walk, the way you present yourself, all those sorts of things, right? So I highly recommend that you have a listen to or read this book, Mindset, by Dr. Carol Dweck. I'll put a link to it, an Amazon link to it, below. Um, I listened to it on Audible, so I should be able to find that link and put that there for you as well. But just have a think. Fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Fixed mindset is everything is predicated on results. If you win, you're great. If you lose, you suck. Growth mindset is all based on practicing, working hard, and appreciating the journey, not just the destination, right? And those people are motivated to continually work hard, and their identity, their ego is not so fragile as if they don't do well, they're going to collapse. Whereas the people in the fixed mindset, because everything came easy and they just have this identity that they're a winner, let's say, then when things get hard, they just completely fall to pieces because they're not ready to work hard, as was the case for me, as I said, when I went into high school. So there's just something to think about. Certainly in the sorority, we will be talking about more stuff like this. I'd love to get your guys' ideas and best books to read and maybe start some sort of, not a, maybe a book club, but um, I would love to be discussing some some books with you guys in the sorority moving forwards. There's a lot of plans we have in the works. As I said, if you haven't joined up for early access, head to thepageantsorority.com. We'll be opening up to the public on Monday, the 1st of November. If you're listening to this after that, then we're open. Head to thepageantsorority.com. Check it out. Uh, if you have any questions, let me know. Otherwise, it's weekend for me. Have a good weekend, and I will see you on Monday.